0: Hey everybody, we have with us on today a guest from Pickering, Ontario. He's currently the volunteer men's tennis assistant coach at the University of Oklahoma following a very successful four years competing as a student-athlete on the Indiana University men's tennis team. Please welcome to the pod, Raheel Manji. Raheel, thank you for taking some time and discussing your very interesting tennis journey with us. Thanks, David. I appreciate
1: uh, the opportunity to go on. your podcast, and I I just wanted to congratulate you on being named a top 20 uh, podcast uh,
0: for tennis by Feedspot. Congratulations on that. I appreciate it. Thanks, Raheel. So we're going to keep trying to push and keep trying to add to it in uh, 2019, and um, thanks again for taking time and having this conversation with me. So let's kind of get started, right? I mean, you're from Pickering, Ontario, right? Your country right now is on quite a roll with Milos Raonic. Jeannie Bouchard, who obviously started her pro career very good, struggled the last few years, but I think she's on a positive role now, playing the beginning of the year pretty good. I'm liking the Michael Joyce-Jeannie Bouchard coaching player relationship. Of course, you have Denis Shapovalov, and then you have young Felix. Um, Quite a crop of players. What are your thoughts on those guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, tennis has always been very personal in Canada, and, and you know those... Those players that you mentioned uh, below are uh, all just adding to kind of the importance of of tennis uh, in Canada, you know. And, you know, I think that um, we're continuing to grow as a a tennis nation, you know, and as long as we continue to be humble and uh, kind of attack the new levels of the game as a country, um, we we can do some very uh, big things and we can make a big jump uh, as a nation. So
0: it's exciting. Interesting story for you, a little local flavor um, with Milos Raonic. I Gosh, I forget the year. It's several years ago. Um, but in Winneka, Illinois, there's a 75K challenger. It's a really good tournament. Milos Raonic at that time had to qualify. And gosh, I wish I did the research before this pod. I'm kicking myself now. But it was a few years ago. He had to qualify um, just to make the, the main draw of the challenger field. I believe he got to the semis. That was in early July, late June or early July. That following January, only a few months after, was when he made his round of 16 debut in Australia. And that, since the round of 16 in Australia, he's just gone up and up. So it was kind of cool wow. to see him, you know, ranked. I think. I swear, I remember, I think he was in the 500s trying to qualify.
1: Well, yeah. Pretty cool you to know, see. Uh, that's an awesome story. You know, even it seems like
0: between me, and Dennis, they all made some pretty big jumps in, in a short amount of time, so that that's, a, that's an awesome fact. Well, you mentioned Dennis, and let's talk about Dennis a little bit. Um, in fact, you were had quite involvement in his run in the 2017 Rogers Cup. Kind of talk about your experience uh, along with uh, helping Dennis during that week.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to get a wild card by Canada Tennis Canada to play in the Rogers Cup in 2017. It was in Montreal. And I had, you know, it was an amazing opportunity being, about, being around and, and learning from some of the best in the world. That I had played uh, Norbert Gombos, and I lost, lost a tough three setter. Um, it was a crazy, exciting match. And, and the thing about, you know, tennis in Canada is when you go there, you'll experience how crazy uh, and passionate. Canadian tennis fans really are, so, you know, between, you know, I had a teammate actually from Indiana as well in the tournament, we lost to Judy Sella, um, Samuel Monette, but, you know, then I had lost to uh, Norbert Dombos, who was 80 at the time, and, you know, I was thinking about going back to Indiana, or, or you know, continuing on my training, and um, basically, with the Brian brothers uh, asking me to stay out there, and um, and then as the tournament went on, I continued my training there in Montreal that week. Uh, and Dennis was having a breakthrough tournament, and, and you know, by the end he had just beat Raft on Nadal. And I think we had practiced before, right before that match. Um, and I was really the only Canadian left there. We were we were, we were sparring, we were practicing together, and then. Um, he was playing Alex Sparrow in the semifinals. And I remember before that match, um, you know, I had warmed him up. It, it, and, I mean, as we're going on the courts, the crowd are just like coming after us. And, um, and you know, Dennis looked up to me a little bit. You know, I, I was, I, when I played Junior Davis Cup, he was in the World Cup. So, you know, we were kind of like team kind of mentor him, and I remember I'd given him, you know, I just said good luck and gave him, like, maybe a word or two before Nadal. He beat Nadal, so before this round match, I tried to give him maybe a couple of sentences, and he ended up uh, losing that one, so, I, you know, I, I might be the blame to
0: blame for that. Well, you may be the uh, to credit yeah. for beating Rafa, too, so it goes both ways.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Less is
0: more, I guess. All, that. all right, and that may have been your first kind of taste of coaching, and and that brings us to um, your current role right now, in, in the volunteer men's coach at OU. Talk a little bit about um, that that program, along with your current role on the staff.
1: Yeah, well, you know, uh, I, you know, I technically I turned pro out of Indiana, and you know, even as I was, I you know, hurt my wrist pretty bad in the season, so it took me about three to four months to to get over that, but. You know, as, a, as I'm, you know, on gear to play professional tennis, I, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessing and I can't get college tennis out of my mind. And, you know, every day I'm, I, I'm having a hard time falling asleep because I'm trying to think of ways for the team to be better. But the funny thing about it is I'm done. Like, I, you know, I'm not playing college tennis anymore. So that obsession kind of pulled me back in and, you know, it got to about, you know, like a hip, hip injury and the wrist I, I knew I'd be out for a little bit more I tried to plan some trips to Israel and Egypt and I kind of said well you know I'll be home for three months rehabbing and I know I want to pursue uh, a career in college tennis uh, down the line after my professional career and I said you know what uh, I'm going to put my name out there because I need to get I can't just be thinking about college tennis all the time without taking any action." You know, I put my name out there, and um, I talked to a couple coaches and one of them in programs, and one of them being the University of Oklahoma. And you know, I, I just felt like the core values of that program really aligned with what I was trying to uh, pursue and be a part of. You know, something amazing out of that program is just—it's a championship-caliber program, and it has a very strong level of expectation and a standard across. Not just tennis, but the whole department, and it's it, and it's a special it's a special uh, kind of uh, opportunity to be a part of something like that. To be a special assistant or volunteer assistant for the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, like very good with the players but he's also a great coach for the coaches does that make
0: sense oh yeah coaches learn from each other all the time that's the best yeah
1: Kind of harnesses that, and and they work really well together. And you know, I thought, you know, I look at it like the beginning of my coaching career is really an opportunity for me to for me to learn and and, and kind of absorb and just build my build my skills and my abilities as a college coach. So Coach Kroll um, is a great teacher, not only for the players but for coaches as well. So you know, it works out
0: perfect. Yeah, I mean two th- two things I would say. You you hear coaches steal stuff from other coaches all the time. So I definitely understand that. Definitely um, relate to it in my own coaching experiences. I'm always have my eyes and ears open when other great coaches are around trying to um, gain some expertise. The other thing is how could they say no to you? I mean your resume, all you have to say is you helped Dennis beat Rafa in the two thousand seventeen <laughs> Rogers Cup, man. Don't talk well, about I this. Play, I didn't play
1: that big a part of that. I all I <laughs> did <laughs> Up
0: and maybe throw three sentences his way. So hey, you got to ride that man all the way to the bank. Um, you know, don't don't worry about the Sasha loss. Just focus on the Rafa win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's kind of, um, if if you don't mind, let's kind of go back a little bit. Um, talk about your background, and for those who want to um, read a little bit more about you, there's an awesome article. It's it's dated March fourth, two thousand fourteen. It's on it's an on court article. It's a, it's a Canadian tennis article. Um, and it gives a really good background on your game as a junior. And you were the number two ranked under-18 Canadian player um, about five years ago, I'd say. You know Who was the number one ranked player?
1: The number one ranked player was, uh, his name was Alejandro Tabilo. And he had won the Eddie Hurd that year, I believe.
0: And you played with him in Junior Davis Cup that year, right?
1: Who was a legend at the University of Kentucky, and he put together a team of uh, well. The, the older team was uh, Harrison Scott, who's on Texas right now, and uh, Alejandro Tabilo and myself. And uh, and then the, and uh, you know we, we went in for training camp and whatnot. And um, you know what's interesting is we had a good team that year. Um, you know, in the but. America, which was which had Stefan Kozlov, who was the number one player in the world at the time, and then Francis Tiafoe, who, as you know, everybody knows, has become a, a superstar, and um, and then Henrik who had a great career at Virginia, and so you know I started us off actually. Uh, I played Francis and I was up a set, unserved six five. We went into the tiebreaker. This isn't this is the truth. He hit four left fourth. Four zero, and uh, he and actually that's why I talked to Francis maybe three years after that, and he said, you know, he gave he gave me some trouble for that, and I ended up losing that one six four in
0: the third. Unbelievable. But, <laughs> but interestingly enough, Alejandro took out Stefan Kozlov that
1: like in, he was in Montreal, and he actually beat him pretty handily. So then we went into the decider, uh, and Alejandro and I went in the doubles and lost. Uh, in three sets to Weirsholm and Kozlov, um, so it was it was a lot of fun playing that year with them. And, and you know who was uh, the troublemaker
0: uh, under in the younger division was Dennis Chicago <laughs> <that show. laughs> I've you know what's interesting about Dennis is I've seen him warm up. I've covered a, a, a few tournaments on tour. And I see him warm up for practices. He has a very methodical approach. Um, it's very interesting to see. I mean, by, by the time he hits his first ball in practice, he is in tune with his feet, his eyes. Um, it, it's, a, it's a real methodical approach, and it's, it's his credit. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work before he even hits the first ball in practice. I was quite impressed with his, uh, with his practice warm-up routine. I just want to throw that out there.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I've always admired about Dennis is his uncompromising approach to playing the right way. Uh, I think, you know, I kind of got to see him, you know, growing up and becoming the player he was today. And one thing is, you know, he wasn't always playing well, but he always played the way he wanted to play. And he was almost fearless in his approach in the big moments. And, you know, it's a big separator. So, able to serve out a Rafael
0: Nadal at 17 or 18 years old, if you right. remember. So. Yeah, very, very impressive. So, obviously, you had a, a really, really good junior career. Colleges were recruiting you. Um, you were, I'm sure, were interested in a number of schools. Was, um, I mean, a, at that time, were you really trying to turn pro right away, or did you have college in, in your sights and knew that you probably would attend a university? Yeah, well, you know, I, I I basically
1: in my mind I only had professional tennis in my mind at that age. You know, I I just picked up at sixty, and I picked up um, eight, uh, professional points and doubles and singles, and then you know what I was kind of hearing from the federation is you know go 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 turn pro, um, and then you know I, they gave me a wild card into another futures uh, main draw and. Uh, kind of hurt my hip a little bit and you know I didn't think much of it and uh about a month later Pierre Lamarche who was my coach at the time who was kind of managing my, my tennis at the time um we went into the doctors and they told me I would need left and right hip surgery somewhere between the next five years is what they estimated Former head coach of Mississippi State, so he kind of knew the ins and outs of college tennis. He had told me, "There's no way you're going to you're going to college and you're going to secure a degree."
0: No, that's great advice. So, at the end of the day, you know what uh, what made IU uh, win out for you? Oh yeah, well, you know, answer, I think you asked me
1: this question um, about the, the other schools I was interested in. Um, you know, came down to about four other schools, and uh, you know, what stood out at Indiana was was the mentality that we had. Um, that I had kind of bought into the recruiting process. It was a winning mentality um, in the recruiting and that's what I was, all, I was always about um, really kind of obsessed about the mental side of the game, the mindset and that's what was the selling point to me from Indiana. And then, you know, it's, it's funny because Coach Fortune and Coach Murray came in um, as, a new head coach, as a new coach of staff and, you know, that ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, you know, Coach Murray was was great, and uh, you know, obviously, a lot of people know how close Coach Worthington and I were. It was an unbelievable relationship. I, you know, I think like, it was rare. I think we had such an honest. Uh, I I can't even really explain Coach Worthington and my relationship, but it was just so important for my life, and I looked up to him, and I
0: still do and, and saw him in so many ways. So he's made a huge impact on me. So. Indiana was definitely uh, a great choice. That's the uh, you know I can't stress that about um, what you say about the relationships between the coaches and the players enough. I mean, obviously, the goal is to win, but at the end of the day, the relationships that coaches have with their players, their players' family, the people that they meet along in all these journeys—it's it's the best. That's why I got involved in it. Obviously, I love to win as well but um, cool. what you just said, the coaching and the players and the relationships that develop over that, it's, it's what life's all about as far as I'm concerned.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you ask my teammates, they'll tell you, my old teammates will tell you, nobody was pro- probably as competitive as me out there, but, um, you know, what Coach Workman did for me, um, you know, yeah, I have trouble relating it or explaining it really, but we had a very honest, uh, loving relationship, which is exactly what you need when you care too much about winning, if that makes sense. Yeah. So he was a great. He was great, and then he taught me so much. So, um, yeah, yeah.
0: I get it. I get it. Thank you for thank yeah, you, you know, for sharing yeah, that. So, so in, in your college career, I mean, you were, you were stud, man. I mean, you played number one junior and senior year. You only lost five matches at home. Your entire collegiate career. Um, talk, talk, talk a little bit about your experiences playing at IU. Well, first off, like the courts at home really favored me, which I think they just resurfaced, so I
1: got out at the right time. Um, <laughs> but no, you know, I had a. It really came down to. Well, you know, I played four seasons with Coach Worthington, and he gave me, and Coach Morgan, they gave me. Uh, 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 an immense amount of belief and opportunity from, from my freshman I mean I, was a, I came in here early right okay so because I had planned to go at 17 and turn pro so I actually finished the school a year early Pierre and I had set that up um, and so came in as, as a 17 year old and I, I didn't think I was even going in the lineup for, you know I, was, I, I always doubted myself you know coach works and coach Murray they called me in and they said, you're going in at three, uh, my first college match ever. And I got, like, great players on my team at the time. Um, and it really started from the beginning. It just put, get, allowed me to have uh, a great opportunities and, and great responsibility with the team. Um, you know, and they and they really stressed that to me. But uh, the other thing was, you know, obviously the, the, the passion and the... Um, the love for the sports environment at Indiana sports is everything, uh, as it is at Oklahoma. Actually, you know, two big, two big sports programs, sports programs with great football and basketball traditions, for example. Um, but you know, the fans were great at Indiana. But, you know, they're right on top of you, um, so that's special, and it obviously contributes to how you're playing home and away.
0: You know. Yeah. Yep. 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 No, I hear you. That that's great stuff. So I know we talked a little bit about your pro career. I know it's kind of been hindered a little with with injuries. Um, I know you still have sites maybe playing some futures events, um, depending on how your health is. I also know that coaching at the University of Oklahoma or any other big-time school, it's all-encompassing. So I know you're all in on that. I know you're loving what you're doing right now. And, um You know, I just wanted to, one, thank you for your time, for sharing your experiences with this. This was a great, great chat. I enjoyed, um, you know, talking prep work before we we actually recorded with you. I wish you nothing but the best of luck in in all and any of your tennis endeavors because uh, just speaking with you, speaking with with others who know you, um, we know uh, you have a heck of a future ahead of you. So best of luck. I appreciate you taking the time, Raheel. I
1: appreciate that. Yeah, you know, um, it's been great getting to know you as well through this process. And, um, you know, yeah, you you said it spot on. Um, You know, weirdly enough, I feel smarter out there on the tennis court. I might be a better player even with, you know, the time off. But, yeah, like as you said, when when, when you're involved with uh, a program, you know, that's going for and trying to achieve what Oklahoma, for example, is trying to achieve – you know, it, it's all in, so I really don't think about anything but how, you know, what's going to contribute to uh, a great season in the moment, it's, it's really, you know, when you sign on to, to coach and play um, for a big-time program like, uh, um, you know, we're at here, uh, yeah, it's 100% all in, it's laser-like and mission-like focus, so.
0: I hear you. yeah. I hear you, man. That's great. Thanks again for uh, discussing your journey, and I know we'll be in touch soon. Great. Thanks a lot. Talk soon. Bye. Take care. That was Raheel Manji, current volunteer men's assistant coach at the University of Oklahoma. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. And as always, stay tuned for another podcast in the near future. Thank you.